0: Forecast strives to train stylists with the latest in education to provide their guests with the latest trends. Follow them on Instagram at Forecast Salon or find them online at forecastsalon.com. As this podcast goes to air, we're in the first new moon of spring. The moon and the sun are both in the sign of Aries. It's fire, it's beginnings, it's new intentions for your path. Spring is about creation. Just as the sun rises each day, find that new rise in your energy for this season. The power of this new moon of Aries is like a spiritual warrior for new beginnings and change, allowing you to take that step forward into a whole new world of possibilities and to look forward to what lies ahead for you. Be sure to write your intentions out under this new moon energy. Anything is possible when we open up our energy and follow our spirit. Knowing your energy, your truth, your voice, your spirit is so valuable at this time. And that's where the rights come in to help you move through all this stuff. Rights being Reiki, intuition, tarot, EFT, and stones and crystals. Finding ways to tend to the struggles of your life with these tools can help add inspiration, amusement, and joy. It can free you from all that excess stress going on in the world. All of these cosmic forces and energy alignments I talk about on my energy focus for the week, which you can find live on Sunday nights on Instagram and Facebook. We talk about what's going on, we align our energy, and we set intentions for the week. And I pull the tarot cards for guidance. As we move through these cosmic transitions and into this new season, it's time to clean up your energy with an energy clearing session. Schedule one in person or online. When you work with the energy body, it helps to release the old patterns and all that old stuff. Links will be in the show notes. When you start going within and connecting to your soul and your spirit, you will find your answers. It is all within you. If you're a strong, passionate person who is ready to take charge of your life and let go of the stories running around inside of your head, let's talk. Let's talk about my Empowered Spirit private mentoring program, Warning, this work will change your life. It can seriously improve your body, mind, and spirit. Side effects, yes, you may see yourself or others as they really are. You may experience loss of excess baggage, resulting in major life changes. You may become the person you were really meant to be. My Empowered Spirit Program can help you upgrade your spiritual path. You'll learn lots of energy tools, techniques, ways to center your energy ways to raise your vibration and release the energy drains. Spring is one of the best times to jumpstart your spiritual practice. Schedule a spiritual upgrade, breakthrough call with me, and let's talk about how these programs can help you. In today's episode, I had the amazing opportunity to talk to Dr. Lissa Rankin about her new book, Sacred Medicine, A Doctor's Quest to Unravel the Mysteries of Healing. What an interview. Vulnerable, full of truths, both hers and mine. And I was in such star-struck energy to be able to speak with this best-selling author on a topic I am so passionate about that I even introduced her by mispronouncing her name. Laughing at myself now, I decided to leave it in because of the story she shares about her name. And I even went on to call out her best selling book, which is where I first heard about her Mind Over Medicine by the wrong name. Okay, I edited that one out. That was just plain nerves. But here's the thing she laughed, I laughed, and I corrected myself, and we went right into the interview. That's how genuine she is. She gave me her time. Yes, it is a long interview, and we covered so many amazing topics, like the body's innate ability to heal, stress, how stress is a side effect of trauma, the stress response, and what it does mean to heal, what cure means, miracle prone, and how our health system is fragmented and how there is so much burnout. We talked about paradoxes. Very important aspect to this conversation. Only teaching half of the paradox or are you teaching both sides? The breath, caregivers, especially women, how illnesses can force you to actually receive when the body says no. What if you can't heal? Emotional shaming, the art of empathy, polarizations, and respecting this paradox of healing so much in this conversation, including her health at last, not-for-profit organization that she has created. I do get vulnerable, and she offers so much compassion for me, her time. I kept trying to speed up as I knew I was taking up lots of time, and she kept slowing me down. I decided to keep the personal vulnerable parts of the conversation in the podcast with hopes that perhaps somewhere in you, you can relate and open up to your own healing as well, that you can look at both sides and see where you can bring healers, lightworkers, doctors, medicine into a full picture for your own self. For me, it has been a journey. And I will say this interview has allowed me to seek the conventional medicine I need right now for my lungs that has been from when I think damage from COVID or the vaccine or both. And I will give a big thank you to my newest functional doctor, Dr. Melanie Miller, and of course, to my acupuncturist, Photianthos, and to my energy medicine teacher, Cindy Dale, who is helping me to heal me. Before we begin, let's take a moment to pause, breathe, and set an intention for the collective healing for all at this time. So wherever you are, if you can, close your eyes, taking a nice deep inhale and exhale. Inhaling up the body, exhale, bringing that breath all the way down, slowing down. Inhaling, connecting with your spirit, calling in your energy, affirming my spirit. And all those that are listening. Taking another deep inhale and exhale, dropping into the heart, connecting with the Greater Spirit, Source, Creator. Feel that connection right into your heart. Know that you are known. Know that you are loved. As we go to create this space for this work, we call in the masters, the teachers, the archangels, the crystal beings calling in your own spirit guides. We ask that they work with us and through us to surround us and protect us as we open up to this presence of energy, taking a moment, honoring the presence of where you are in this new moon energy, calling in the directions for guidance and protection to the east, the south, the west and the north, above you, below you, right into the very center, right into the deepest part of your heart, calling in with the absolute light and streams of grace, peace, healing, love, for each and every person right now. Finding that higher vibration to lift your energy, to lift your spirit, to radiate all around you this beautiful vibration of healing light raising the consciousness for peace for all taking another deep inhale and exhale pulling your energy in grounding with mother earth bringing your focus back blinking the eyes open coming back Dr. Lisa Rankin is an expert in trauma-informed medicine, author of seven books, founder of the Whole Health Medicine Institute, and a mystic who researches radical remission, mind-body medicine, and spiritual healing. Her TEDx talks have been viewed over 5 million times, and two national public television specials featured her work in the field of healing. Committed to health equity and determined to make healing accessible and affordable for all who feel ready for the deep dive of healing, Lisa's latest project, Heal It Last, is a nonprofit organization devoted to bring cutting-edge trauma therapies and other sacred medicine tools to anyone who identifies as being in recovery from illness, injury, or trauma. So let us welcome Dr. Lisa Rankin to the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's Lisa. <laughs> All right, let's do that again. I knew you spelled it with two S's, but I didn't know it was Lisa.
1: Lisa, like Melissa, without the "me." All right. Oh my God, Lisa!
0: All right, so we'll do that again.
1: No, the the story goes that my mother wanted to name me Lisa, and my grandmother wouldn't let her because of Dirty Lisa on her soap opera.
0: <laughs> so Lisa was the compromise. All right. So let us welcome Dr. Lisa Rankin to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to be here. Oh my gosh. I am more than delighted to have you here. I am honored that you're taking the time to speak with us. I have to say, I have followed your work probably since Find Over Medicine, which is, I guess, about 2013. Somewhere around there. And it really just so resonated with all that I was learning and working and doing and my practice creating and all of that. So I'm really very grateful for all that you've brought out into the world. And just to give our listeners a little bit more information, my understanding is that you are a OBGYN, working in the medical field, working really hard, many hours, finding not enough time to work with patients, having to bill so many hours, and really, I guess, basically burnout. Stress, anxiety, and really just kind of said, I'm done. (laughs) Maybe those weren't your words, but. Yeah, and medical illness. It was, you You know, know. Yeah. And medical illness. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as I understand, too, you kind of did. You left for a while and started, you know, kind of getting into more of your creative side, your poetry, your artwork. But you had a calling and you found your way back, maybe in a different manner, though.
1: Yeah, I realize you can quit your job, but you can't quit your calling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The Anatomy of a Calling was another book that just really resonated as well. And I actually use it as a reference for my students, a suggested reading. I find it so fascinating. Yeah. So now here we are with Sacred Medicine, a doctor's quest to unravel the mysteries of healing. Wow. So much good information in there. So timely, so needed, really. Yeah, definitely. So, gosh, the first thing, page one. I so agree that the body is brilliantly designed to heal. Yeah, founding principle, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we know that physiologically, we know that there are uh, the body is equipped with all these self-healing mechanisms, and then things go wrong because none of us are immune to the the impacts of the inner and outer world on what it takes to activate those healing mechanisms, which often is related to the state of the nervous system. And of course, right now we know with so much going on, it's really hard to live a life that is not impacted by the stressors on the nervous system inside and out. So, I mean, that's, that's a whole other conversation is the physiology of all of that, but in short, when our nervous systems are in the, for those who know polyvagal theory, when our nervous systems are in the sort of ventral, vagal, parasympathetic, rest and restore, relaxed state of the nervous system, then those self-healing mechanisms are much more optimized than when we're in a fight, flight, or freeze type of stress response.
0: Which we have been in in the past two years. Yep. Fear, 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 Absolutely. stress, 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 anxiety, Absolutely. anxiety. And you know what? For so yeah. long, stress is like, oh, just deal with it. You know, go run, go eat better, just deal with it, push it aside. It wasn't considered real. But now we are finding so much evidence. Yeah, for sure. I'm a tapper. I'm an emotional freedom tapper. And I follow, you know, Nick and all those guys. And, you know, how much research they uncover about how much stress affects the body. Yeah. And that makes it hard for the body to Absolutely. self-heal. Yeah
1: absolutely and you know we talk about stress and you know more and more i think there's um less fear around the word trauma like we can what we call stress tends to be the side effect of trauma and it can show up in so many different types of trauma responses so sometimes i find it helpful just to be like only because our society sort of glorifies stress, like I'm so stressed, <laughs> therefore I'm so busy and I'm so productive and you know I'm making, I'm a mover and a shaker in the world or whatever, but really it's kind of, we're all so traumatized. And that is that puts our nervous system in stress responses. And some of those traumas are internal psycho-spiritual traumas and some of them are in- environmental traumas and some of them are collective traumas like what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and the pandemic. and. All of the cultural wars and everything like that at, at this point as well the colonization and systemic racism and i mean it's a, a sea of trauma right now so to try to have a calm nervous system when we're you know in the middle of climate crisis is no small thing
0: yeah i agree we're in all of those right now and we have been for the past two years and it has affected so many people and we've seen just such change come about and such a downfall of systems come about. And then we've seen all of this energy like, okay, now what? Right. And that's what I'm feeling now. Like now what? Here we are. It's coming around to spring and when the energy is starting to move us out again, it's like, Oh, but now what? Let's just back up a minute and ask the question, what does it mean to heal?
1: Well, from the linguistic perspective to heal is to become whole or to restore wholeness. So the opposite of heal is to, to fragment, to disintegrate, to dis-ease, and to heal is to, you know, become whole. And so that isn't necessarily the same thing as to cure, right? Because to cure, we sort of assume that means you have an illness, it's diagnosable on a blood test or on an X-ray or whatever, and when you are cured, then it's gone. But to heal is a much more complicated process than that. Because curing the body, we might cure the body and not heal, or we might heal and not cure the body. But the way I think of it, when we do begin doing the more holistic type of healing, where we're working through all of our systems, you know, body, mind, spirit, collective, then we sort of, the language I use in sacred medicine is we make the body miracle prone.
0: Mm, Miracle prone, yeah. Yeah. And I think that right there in those definitions, I think that's somewhere where medicine got lost, you know, where our hospitals and our doctors and the whole system kind of got lost, you know, and... I'll be honest, I have really never been sick in my entire life. I really haven't. You know, growing up, I had two small children. I was also a single mom. And it was like, okay, I can't be sick. I got to take care of them. Not until these last several years. And so these last several years, I actually, and also too, I, I caregive my mother for the last five years of her life. So I was in and out of hospitals with her and saw so many of the craziness going on and how much the nurses took on and all that system. And then now I had to go into the system to help me get better. And yeah. Yeah. Your book is needed. Your work is needed. It really is because that whole picture is so important, you know? And one of the things I'm discovering is like, it's not just let me take steroids and antibiotics for a couple of days. Where's the deeper part? Because that's only going to work so far. And I think we need both. I'm not saying we don't, but there's a deeper part of me and I'm still searching and searching and searching. And then there's the collective, which we'll get into as well. But it, it is that whole picture. well
1: and that's one of the main problems with the conventional medical system and i always like to make it clear whenever i'm talking about this that i'm not in any way anti-medicine i am triply vaccinated i absolutely believe that conventional medicine can save lives if i were in a car crash or having a heart attack i would go to the er so i'm not in any way against conventional medicine but the
0: problem And, and i agree Yeah,
1: but the problem with the way the conventional medicine system is set up, it's the opposite of healing. It's about fragmenting everything. You know, even just the way that we specialize in medicine and like there's the heart doctor and there's the you know, bone doctor and there's the gynecologist and even the mind body piece, like if there's trauma, then we say, oh, well, you need to go to the therapist or you go to the psychiatrist. And um, all of those things are interrelated, you know, even just that we fragment spiritual teachers or the priest or the rabbi or whatever, like, I don't think we can do healing without simultaneously addressing like absolutely if there's a pill that will cure your bladder infection or whatever go ahead and do it but then why did you get the bladder infection and what made the immune system you know potentially break down or why did the microbiome get off or what made us vulnerable to those bacteria and what was happening at the time of the bladder infection and what else is going on so and to be able to look at a whole system in that way we're we're not set up that way there is almost no place where you can go where you have a physical symptom for example and all of those are getting tended together and i think that's a big um you know that's that's a, it doesn't really make sense to not have that it would be cost effective it would be much more um our outcomes would be significantly better. Both the people who are coming in for care and the people delivering care would be happier and less burned out. Like we've kind of gone to the extremes of how far we can go with everything so fragmented. And I really saw that when I was studying for sacred medicine is like, even just our training programs are fragmented. Like If you wanna be a doctor, you go to the medical school, we're gonna teach you how to cure the body. And if you want to be a therapist, then you go in the psychology department and you get a graduate degree in psychology. And if you're in the sort of spiritual realm, then maybe you go to the divinity school, right? And if you're interested in shamanism, then what? You're in the anthropology department of the university. If you're an energy healer or whatever, like there is no department for you in the university. You're too much of a quack or a charlatan to, (laughs) to ever even make it into the university. So even in a university setting, I was finding I'm talking to the mind-body medicine doctors, I'm talking to the trauma therapists and the psychologists, I'm talking to the spiritual leaders and the gurus, I'm talking to the energy healers and the shamans, I'm talking to the biofield researchers and the physicists, and none of them are talking to each other. And that's part of the problem because if all those people were talking to each other and addressing somebody who was suffering from illness, for example, together, and we had more of a team approach to sort of, okay, great, let people have their expertise, but then let's have a team approach to bringing that expertise to an individual who's suffering. And that almost never happens. And I, I wrote about that in, in Mind Over Medicine. I called it the healing round table. But in, pra- in actuality, even if somebody wanted to and was oriented towards finding their healing round table, that also is very expensive and is usually a luxury good because that's, that kind of care in an integrated way with multiple sort of experts from different traditions is not usually covered by insurance. So it's a, it's a problem, but I also find it sometimes not so helpful to talk about the problem because we don't have an easy solution.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it isn't an easy solution, although it's a very frustrating thing for me. And I I do it, it just it gets to me a lot. It really does. And I did experience a lot when I came back here to help my parents. And, you know, like you said, my mom had so many doctors and nobody was talking. And not only just to have her have to tell her story to every single different person, it's like Every time going back into that, that was like so draining in itself, writing out all the information. And then they have what you said, like the concierge doctors, but they still didn't have all the information. It still wasn't working. My mother was fortunate that she did have that, right? And it was really my younger sister who really kept it all together who knew it all and, you know, was there. And then I'm the one you know, anyway, back to our story. (laughs) Yeah, I can go down rabbit holes. I'm so sorry that you had you and your family
1: have had to go through that. It's, there's so many people going through that same nightmare right now. It's really, it's really painful. So I just want to kind of say to anybody who's listening, like if what we're talking about is triggering, or you're feeling that frustration, that's really valid. And it's really a problem. And I'm really sorry.
0: It is valid. And you know what? I I agree. And, And I do know several people that are caregivers for their parents. And, you know, often there isn't gratitude for them. You know, it's like they take it on. They don't realize how much. And I didn't either. Doing it out of love. But then you start to notice. And then my side effects are somewhat of a, you know, less than health that I want it too, but I am building that back for sure. So your journey took you all over the place. It really did. And you got to study with some really amazing teachers, some shamans learned a lot of different rituals and yeah, what a great journey. What a great way to kind of find that way within yourself. And I guess through some of the events that happened to you as well, you know, you talk about the dog bite. That was a very interesting story. Tell us a little bit about how all that kind of helped you to understand even more. With the, about the dog bite? Yeah, just about on your journey and the dog bite, just to give our listeners a little bit more understanding of where you're bridging this information from.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, I went on this journey. It's, this is sort of the sequel to Mind Over Medicine, which was kind of the beginning of a whole phase of research into the scientific data around um what helps the body heal what causes disease what can reverse disease what are the conditions that help us to be more miracle prone but then there was a whole field of things that sort of were on the other side of science or or were more in the subjective realm of healing which is really hard to study scientifically because science depends on objectivity. And so I kind of went on this as sort of a cognitive experiment or an intellectual journey. And I certainly didn't intend for it to be something that I was going to be applying to myself. But midway through this journey, I was uh, up at the overlook where I live right over the ocean at sunrise standing next to these two young men who had their pit bull on a leash and were watching the sunrise and everything was like beautiful and relaxed. And all of a sudden the dog reached out and took a huge chunk about this big out of my inner thigh, um, right in my groin, just over my femoral artery. And we were, I mean, we're a good almost hour from the closest hospital when this happened. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God. And the young man who owned the dog, they were were doing their best to pull the dog off of me, but the dog was like latched onto me and took a huge chunk. I have like gruesome photos of what it looked like when I finally took my yoga pants off. And in that moment, he was freaking out saying like, ah, what do I do? Do I call 911? And in that moment, and this is sort of a, I wouldn't recommend this for everybody, but in that moment, and I write about this in sacred medicine, we have these various intelligences, right? We have sort of the cognitive or mental intelligence that sort of tells us the smart thing to do. And like the smart thing to do might be call 911 and go to the ER. But we have these other intelligences as well. I call them your somatic intelligence, your intuitive intelligence, and your emotional intelligence. And I had this sort of dropped in intuitive hit that was very clear in that moment that was like, do not go to the ER. And then I had another part that was terrified of like, that sounds reckless and stupid. Like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> what do you mean don't go to the ER? But I was able to I was able to be very clear and directive with this young man. I was like, drive me to my house, please. It's just around the corner. Carry me up the stairs, get me into the bathtub, and I'm going to handle this myself. And I wound up calling one of my friends who's a frontline COVID ER doctor, brilliant emergency room physician. He's also an energy healer. And I took a photo and I said, I'm getting a hit not to go to the ER. Can you help me do this without doing that? Like, is is that a stupid idea? And he was like, you know what? I support you. I trust your intuition. Let's do this. And so very quickly, and again, part of why I wouldn't recommend this for everybody is I literally have the blessing and the privilege of having some of the world's best healers on speed dial in my phone. And so I was calling a trauma therapist to work with me right away to make sure I didn't get PTSD or dog phobia, I was calling an energy healer to send a photo and be like, I need emergency repair work. I was calling my spiritual teacher to be like, you know, let's call in the, the the invisible forces to support me. I was working with, you know, he wanted me to go see a plastic surgeon to get a consult from the surgeon. The surgeon basically said, there's no way this is closing without surgery. You're going to need multiple skin grafts. This is going to take six months to a year. You know, to even be able to get the the tissue prepared, it's all going to be dependent on making sure that the wound doesn't get infected. So then I'm calling the naturopath and my, you know, my herbalist to get the, and my indigenous healer who's giving me the bare root poultice and I'm taking the supplements and the collagen rich diet, like literally everything. And I didn't get surgery and the wound is closed. And if it weren't so close to my underwear, I would show you because it's, it's actually quite beautiful. Like I, I look at it now and I see this scar as this kind of battle tattoo. Like I'm proud of it, that my body was able to do this and the doctors were wrong. And I did end up working with a wonderful physician who was a wound care expert who looked at it and said I really think you're going to need surgery but I trust that you've decided not to do that and I said I want you to give me everything else you've got like give me everything you've got that's not surgery. And so I did use the medical technology of certain bandages and certain wound care treatments and she was a 30-year meditator and you know a very deep spiritual being and I have to say it was so comforting When she just looked at me and she was like, okay, we're not doing surgery. And I told her like, I will absolutely do surgery if it looks like my life, if I'm going to die. But I'm just getting like, no, that's not how we're going to do this. And she tells me in retrospect, she said, you know what? You changed the way I practice medicine. I never thought to ask my patients what are you getting intuitively or what is your body telling you or what is your emotional intelligence telling you i would just sort of go from my mental intelligence and say from my clinical experience this isn't going to close without surgery and so um i really credit her a lot and the er doctor for believing in me and for holding that frequency of like of trust and faith in my body's ability to do this and also like making me feel like I wasn't alone and I had their expertise helping to support me through this. But then I also had this whole team of people that were like, they believed that this would get better as well. And I don't think, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't say I healed myself. It was like a massive team effort and I'm really proud of my body that my body was able to do this. It took about four months, but uh, you know, I didn't wind up with three surgeries like they told me I was going to have to have.
0: In many stitches. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So also, too, the lessons that you gained, the faith, the knowledge, working with this kind of healing and the breakthrough. Gosh, what a breakthrough moment of your of the doctor friend that said, like, I never thought to ask intuitively, what do you think? Yeah. That gives you so much of your power. So often, you know, and I saw it so much my mom, I loved her dearly. Oh my gosh, but whatever they said, didn't have a clue how any of it affected her. Whatever they said, like, well, how do you feel about that? How did I don't know? I can't tell. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Right. And so that's why now I think about those various intelligences as they're like instruments of our awareness that, you know, we sort of have to have the symphony conductor to be like, and now we're bringing in intuition and now we need somatic intelligence. And now, you know, let's bring in mental intelligence and statistics and data and science and technology. Okay, and now we're gonna bring in, you know, how are, how are you dealing with this emotionally? And it, it's difficult because those intelligences don't always agree with each other. So it's not like you check into your different intelligences and they're all voting the same way. It's like, like I said, my intuitive intelligence was going, don't go to the ER. And my mental intelligence was going, that's crazy. Mm. That's dangerous. And so it re- it's hard to explain to other people what was happening in me. And it was all happening very quickly. But when I look back at it and I'm able to sort of slow it down, um, there's a whole chapter in sacred medicine about internal family systems as a trauma healing method and a, a spiritual path. And now I can look back at that and sort of say, well, it was various parts in me. And one part is scared, and one part is just has a direct knowing, and another part has medical knowledge, and another part is sort of a curious student. And so they're not necessarily, those parts are not necessarily all in agreement, but there is this sort of greater self or divine self or God self or, or whatever we wanna call it that we all have inside. And that greater self can be sort of the conductor can sort of take in all the input and help to make a a decision on behalf of all of the parts that might be polarized inside. And that's really what it felt like. It felt like this great conductor sort of just, um, weaving these various medicines in, and it felt very mysterious. It didn't feel like something I had control over. But I was sort of watching it as an observer and sort of in awe. And then it was really incredible to watch my body change. And this all was happening while my mother was dying of stage four cancer and Mm. not interested in any of these other practices. Like, basically, you know, was told a bone marrow transplant is your only option. She decided she didn't want that. So then it was hospice. It was like very binary. It was either you do conventional medicine or you don't. And for me, it was absolutely not binary, it was very nuanced.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. And yeah, my, I I do remember reading that about your mom so I can understand. And I understand as I watched my mom too, it was really hard. And, and I come from that perspective too. It's like, you know, I had a little skin thing. It's like, okay, surgery and another one. Okay. So like, no, wait, 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 time out. I need to get to the root of what it is. And what I uncovered was huge. Huge that set it off in a whole nother area of trauma healing, and but I do feel like at least I can then get to the root of what's going on, which is what you talk about in your six steps to healing, you know, and you right. start right off talking about your own belief that you can heal, your own belief that you'll get better
1: absolutely and and but this part of what I really learned on this part of the journey that it was not as clear in mind over medicine, and so I've actually rewritten Mind over medicine. I published a revised edition hmm. in twenty twenty because of what I had learned since then. And um, I look back at the original version of that and I feel like, oh, some of the time I was, I was only talking about half of what I now call the paradoxes of healing. Like you can heal yourself and you can't do it alone. Or, you know, be clear in your intention to heal and surrender attachment to outcomes. So in your case, it's like, yes, absolutely. If conventional medicine can give you a cure, take it and don't miss going to the root of like, why was I vulnerable to this in the first place? Or your thoughts influence your reality and your thoughts cannot control your reality or lead with your heart and use your head. Like your disease is not your fault and your healing journey is your responsibility. Like there are so many of them. And I think when we're able to kind of be in that sort of more paradoxical place, then we're able to be a lot more nuanced. And I I came to realize that a lot of those paradoxes, there's a lot of teachers out there only teaching half of a paradox. And in the beginning I thought, well, that's whatever, that's okay, that's still helpful. But I came to realize if you're only teaching half of a paradox, you're kind of also all wrong. Like if if we're not holding the wholeness of the nuance, then we're actually potentially misleading people. Um, So for example, if we're saying, just take the pill and it's gonna cure you, well, okay, but if we're not trying to figure out why somebody got sick to begin with, then my hypothesis at least, and I've had countless clients sort of validate this hypothesis, is that then it just comes out with a different symptom somewhere else. You might cure it on the surface, but whatever is sort of festering inside or whatever is making the body more vulnerable to not being able to fend off whatever is coming is then likely to sort of um, show up somewhere else. And I found that a lot with working with energy healers, for example. People would go in, they'd have a symptom. Maybe they've decided they don't want to go to the doctor and they go to the energy healer instead and their symptom gets better. And the energy healer says, look, I cured them. But most of those healers don't follow up with the patient. And when I was following up with the patient a year later, I was like, okay, how are you doing? They're like, oh, yeah, that symptom went away, but I got three more symptoms. And now I've got a whole new set of problems. Well, did you go back to the same healer? No, I went to a new one. (laughs) You know, so I think the follow up is really important. And I think the same happens with doctors. The doctor's like, oh, yeah, I cured this. It's like, yeah, but then, you know, they got something else. So it's not that we shouldn't offer whatever relief will offer instant relief. I'm all for like, I am pro survival. Like if you can take the pill and feel better, like absolutely take the pill, but let's not stop there. Like, let's get curious. And maybe, you know, certainly I'm not saying that all illnesses are psycho spiritual in nature, Like it might very well be that somebody lives next to a toxic waste dump or, you know, that, that our bodies just don't have any immunity to a novel coronavirus. And we're, we're all, we were all vulnerable to that novel coronavirus. But I would watch the polarizations out there between like germ theory and terrain theory. And I was like, wow, people, it's both like, absolutely. Yeah.
0: No, I do. I agree with you. And I have to say, I've been working in this work. I don't know. Now I'm in my sixties. I don't know, 20 years, 20 plus years. And, And I have grown to understand both sides of what you're saying. And I know in the beginning I was like, oh, no, just do this, just do this. But it's like, no, that's not the case. Right. And and I have grown to have a better and more well-rounded and and respect for for medicine. I tend to go to the other first. That's always been my case. You know, I always I always joke my acupuncture is my doctor, you know, that kind of thing. But I do think we need a well-rounded view. I do. And for me, it has been a struggle. I don't know why I have fear of doctors. I do perhaps because I lost a baby halfway to a term and now I'm scared to go get any kind of ultrasound or anything. I don't know. Trauma. Um, right. I'm but Sorry about that. Yeah. I'm yeah. A long time ago, but I do feel like, you know, in my own understanding and, you know, I am an energy worker and I do follow up and some people are surprised. They even call them a few times after they're not used to that, but I agree with you because I do think it can chase. And I also think too, that sometimes when we don't do that root work, it is going to come back again, like you said. So I do think we need both sides and, and I work with Reiki energy. And to me, Reiki addresses this because it does work on all levels of the body, but yet we never say Reiki cures anything. It brings the body back into balance. And I think a little bit of that is what you're saying. And Two, the whole idea of healing is such a, it's a journey, you know, it's like we're never completely done, you know, like doing great, something comes around, triggers something else, we uncover, it's like, oh no, here we go again, right? And I get that all the time, am I going to be healed? <laughs> You're like, well, let's just take it one step at a time and see what we can do to balance the body, but I don't know. I do think that you do talk a lot about this in your book and you give your readers a lot to look at the steps of healing. What does wholeness mean in healing? You do talk about some sacred practices. I work with the medicine wheel. You mentioned that in there. I love the medicine wheel. And I'll be honest, I don't know how I knew to create one, but I did rock by rock when I moved back to Birmingham and my father had the property and it was something that within my own energy came forward. And I love it. And I find it being in nature, and doing these sacred practices can help us. And then it's like to try to get out there and explain it sometimes to people. It's like, okay, just come experience it, right? That's what we need to do. You also address the topic of spiritually bypassing, which is such a big topic right now. Mm. You know, lots of times you hear people say, well, you're a healer, you should just like understand it's for the greatest good. Like, Hmm. Yeah, I got that when I was grieving for my mom. Well, you know, she's right there with you. Hmm. Let's go through and make those feelings understood and have the time to experience them. And I think that's part of it, too, is our culture so fast, right? And that slowing down is really kind of what you had the ability to do in order to have that inner pilot light to know what all those parts were talking about which plays into the idea of why we need meditation, why we need breath work, why we need walks in nature, why we need this instead of being such a busy society. It really is important, which (laughs) Lissa, Dr. Rink, and we could go on forever and ever and ever, but I did want to come around to a subject that you do talk about and something that is very important to me is the, the collective healing for where we are right now. And that some of these practices you and I are both talk about, people don't always have the resources for. And I know here in Birmingham, we've created a Reiki association so that we can not-for-profit, so we can bring it out there and we can bring it there. But tell us about your, your Heal at Last project and how all of this, and I, I would imagine these last two years has affected you with this
1: one of the things you talked about is the um, the fear of going to doctors and how people that might have been traumatized by the medical system might be more inclined to go to energy healers. And I think that's totally valid. And I, so I want to, I want to just, I just wanted to acknowledge that. I think one of the beautiful things that I learned from this 10 years of working with healers is that I think the energy healers do such a better job of actually slowing things down, spending more time with patients, like actually tending to the ritual and the, the emotions and the heart and, you know, the um, counteracting some of that trauma of the medical system. And so I really get why some people want to go there first. And frankly, I don't think that's a problem. Like, I don't have a problem with that. If people don't have an acute care issue if they're not actively dying because they just were in a car crash or whatever Uh, i have a story in sacred medicine about somebody who was acutely dying in a car crash and donna eden was the first responder and doing energy healing until that person was able to get to the emergency to the operating room so even then like maybe that's that's still okay Um, but i just want to acknowledge that that the conventional medical system is traumatic even when it's life-saving it's traumatic and i do think that there are a lot of people in the alternative medicine and energy healing and spiritual healing world that do a better job of of dealing with that trauma and making it less scary to receive care when somebody is in a vulnerable state and the second thing that you said that i just wanted to slow down was the conversation about spiritual bypassing but i know in my audience especially during the pandemic That was sort of like, what? What's spiritual bypassing? The term was created by John Wellwood, who is a a Buddhist psychologist and spiritual teacher, where he noticed in spiritual communities that people were sort of using their spiritual practice as a way to bypass their emotional trauma or um, not to deal with sort of social justice issues out in the world or to be sort of conflict avoidant in their relationships, that there were a bunch of different ways that people could use their spirituality to not deal with reality, and that it could actually be quite dangerous. And Robert Augustus Masters, who is a really interesting character, he's a former cult leader from like 30 years ago, who went through sort of a whole fall from from grace as the cult leader and went to grad school and became a PhD psychologist and wrote a wonderful book called Spiritual Bypassing. And so I think this past couple of years during the pandemic and Black Lives Matter and the climate crisis and now the war in Russia and Ukraine or whatever, we sort of saw a lot of polarizations between sort of the social justice activists and the spiritual people sort of saying, well, we're just having the great awakening and and this is all wonderful and COVID is just gonna take us to the fifth dimension. And, and it was very, I think, disorienting for a lot of people that were actually having a lot of legitimate fear and legitimate grief and legitimate anger. And it it sort of, a lot of people who were doing the spiritual bypass themselves, sort of their belief system just kind of shattered. And then a lot of people were left with like a lot of trauma, a lot of unprocessed trauma and kind of no easy off ramp from a lot of those sort of new age belief systems and stuff. And like a lot of people didn't really have good coping skills. So we, in my community, we created sort of like a whole... We kind of took a whole bunch of people into a program we called Healing with the Muse and we did spiritual bypassing recovery 101 and just kind of, just kind of like come over this way and it's okay to have emotions and nobody's gonna tell you that, you know, this is your karma from past lives or this is your soul chose this, or that, you know, if only you weren't thinking negative thoughts, bad things wouldn't be happening or whatever. So I just wanted to kind of presence that. And then you asked about Heal It Last and the collective trauma. So Heal It Last is the nonprofit that I started recently. We just got our first $100,000 grant from a wonderful, a wonderful philanthropist who herself was chronically ill and has a deep social justice part where um, you know she realized that being able to access the kind of healers that yeah. I was able to access when I had my dog bite is a luxury good. And that most of these practitioners are not covered by insurance, most energy healers and cutting edge trauma therapists and, you know, neo-shamanic workers and people like this, and, you know, to even just to be able to go to lords or to be able to go to a retreat center in the Amazon or any of these kinds of things is really a luxury good. And so she shared my social justice triggers around feeling the unfairness of not wanting psycho-spiritual healing to be a luxury good. And so we're working to create circles of healing, group healing, that incorporate energy healing, trauma healing, sort of spiritual healing, um, creativity as healing, working with the arts and music and things like that. Basically, how could we train group leaders to do what I do when I'm leading a workshop with people who identify as being in recovery from illness, injury, or trauma? and we're sort of envisioning kind of like 12-step programs, which are, you know, a fabulously democratic kind of healing. It's by donation only. It's, almost, it's everywhere in the world. But not everybody identifies with being an addict or being um, codependent with an addict, which pretty much most of those programs are for addiction and people in recovery with addicts. But those are just one way that trauma can show up. And there's a whole bunch of other ways that trauma symptoms can show up. So we're sort of trying to create something similarly democratic. Um, So wish us luck. We've kind of bitten off a big, big project. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: it is a big project. What a great grant to come in and help you get started. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, inspiring for us here, too, on as much smaller scale with what we're trying to do with the association, the Reiki here in Birmingham. There's so many groups. We're going to go speak to the crisis center next month. And then one place, a domestic violence center. And the hospitals, unfortunately, haven't quite listened to us yet, but we're trying. We are trying. And every little step helps. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So the collective healing, the collective healing right now with all of the fear and the Symptoms and the respiratory and the breathing and the lungs. I mean, this is what I'm going through right now. Where do we start? Where do we go? What do we do?
1: Well, wasn't I just found it so curious as 2020 was unfolding that it was all happening around the breath, that it was COVID was taking people's breath away, that this, the mantra of Black Lives Matter after George Floyd was, I can't breathe that I live in California and the wildfires were out of control. And I literally had to be a refugee. There was a wildfire a mile from my house and I couldn't breathe with all the all the air filters on in my own home. And that's terrifying to not be able to breathe in your own home and to think this might be my new normal that we might literally be suffocating from the impact of climate crisis. And all of these breath related things were coming in. And here, of course, in many spiritual traditions, the breath is life force, is God, is, you know, the animating creation. And so, you know, what do we make of that? And I certainly don't have an answer to that. I don't know if you have an answer to that, but I was like, wow, this is an enormous um, collective wake-up call. It
0: is. It is. In, in Hebrew, it's ruach, which is the spirit, the breath, you know, the wind. And then we're covered up with our masks, you know, our masks are on inhibiting the breath. And yet, here we go. Paradox. The other side, there's more people talking about breathing technique, breath work coming out and coming into the forefront. Is it coincidence? Is it because we need it? You know? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. pretty it's- fascinating. I do a lot of studying with Cindy Dale. She's an amazing okay. researcher, teacher, yeah. writer. Oh my gosh. And we really did break down a lot of what the virus is about. And and even where the ancestors come in, very fascinating, really very fascinating. But I think as a collective, you know, that breath and us breathing and <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say yeah. after that, but I know we have to find a way to find the way back to that, you know, and with the sacred elements in mind, with the air, with the, with mm-hmm. all of that in mind.
1: Mm. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've, I've been training medical doctors for nine years now in a program called the Whole Health Medicine Institute. And one of the things that we do, and, and I think this is really important for people that are wrestling with with chronic illness. One of the things that we do when they come in, because a lot of what I do with doctors is we're doing, I basically function as a trauma healer for doctors with PTSD, which is almost everybody, especially now, especially now. after COVID, especially now. So I'm doing a month-long training. I'm doing a month-long program, for example, at Esalen for um, burnout recovery for frontline Excellent. You know, physicians yeah. and and healthcare workers. And so one of the things I do when I'm working with healthcare workers is I bring them in and I say, okay, now all of us who are in the helping professions, we are always giving. We are always focused out here and we are putting our effort out here. So I want everybody in the room to only breathe out and we're gonna see how long we can only breathe out. And of course, everybody laughs because like you we, we can't breathe out for very long. And I'm like, well, <laughs> You know one of the big things that i learned in working with some of the indigenous healers in my in my research was the concept of sacred reciprocity or in the Karos ayni a-y-n-i that sort of that idea of we have to breathe in and breathe out in equal measure with nature with our breath with um, giving and receiving with generosity out there but also then being able to take in the generosity that other people might be able to give to us or that nature is giving to us or that God, goddess, the divine is giving to us. And so when I think about the breath, I also think about that. There is that like many times per minute, we are being asked to breathe out that which no longer serves us, like breathing out the toxins and then breathing in fresh and life-giving new air. And I think when we start looking at the chronically ill at least one of the things that I found really distressing with the people that conventional medicine really was struggling to help is that a lot of these people had been caregivers their whole lives. They had been focused out here and taking care of everybody else and neglecting themselves and neglecting their self care and throwing their own traumatized parts under the bus in exchange for like caring about, especially women. And what illness often forces people to do is it forces them to come back into more sacred reciprocity. It forces them to let other people take care of them, to be more dependent, to be receptive to care. And uh, Gabor Mate wrote the book, you know, when the body says no. And there are so many trauma survivors who have trouble saying no, who have trouble setting boundaries, who have trouble getting their own needs met. And and if we can't get those traumas treated and use our words and use our boundaries and use our communication to say no then sometimes the body forces us to do so and when i look at that on sort of a collective scale it's it's almost like even the busyness epidemic like covid forced us to say no to a lot of things and i'm not trying to say i'm not trying to use any spiritual bypass to say that that's a good thing it certainly is has been a good thing for some people and it's been a horribly traumatic thing for other people. But I think when we are able to start to look at the fractals of like the breath breathing in and breathing out, ourselves, how are we giving and how are we receiving? And then looking at the collective of giving and receiving and is it fair, is it just, is it equal out there? The 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 haves and the have nots and and we're we're really reckoning with power. We're really looking at a power and people who abuse power. And what are we going to do with that? And we've got the Me Too movement, we've got Black Lives Matter. We're watching, you know, an authoritarian dictator in our own country and in Russia just feeling entitled to things that they're not entitled to and the destruction that's coming as a result of that and the imbalance and the social injustice in that and so You know, I do think we're at a place where we we have a collective opportunity and it is absolutely not necessarily a great awakening. It could be we could also look at it as a great darkening and we're each of us individually in choice about what we do in these moments moving forward. But I do think part of what's an important part of the conversation is that at least in the world that I've been in for the past 10 years, sort of this mind-body wellness, the yoga community, sort of the, um, more of the alternative medicine world, there's such a kind of privileged focus on me and my self-healing and my wellness and my body and my trauma and my nutrition and my enlightenment. And I really saw in the past two years that we can't separate this individual being from the sea of energies and traumas in which we are swimming, which includes the number of people that are really suffering a lot more than some of the people. I mean, I have been sheltered in paradise for the past two years. I feel I've never felt more uncomfortable with my privilege. And at the same time, that really has motivated me to do things like start my nonprofit and try to get out of this more privileged world so that I can, Make sure that sacred medicine is not a luxury good only for the privileged, but something that that can also be accessed by those who might be more marginalized or more oppressed um so yeah that was a lot,
0: <laughs> I'll, no, I'll slow that's down. A lot. no thank you thank you for slowing me down too um you know there was a lot that you did say in that and well, I don't believe that it can't all be just about, well, me, me and my, what I need, I need, I do believe it starts within ourselves, especially finding that peace and that, that joy and that contentment, like that is part of the wellness too, finding your spirit, finding that inner guidance that you can tune into, that's part of the wellness too. And as I do that, and I allow you to do that and the others to do that, then we can collectively grow in that light. And to me, I feel like that is my hope for the future. It really is. And you know what? I forgot about this. I got very triggered reading about why I couldn't heal right now. And I may cry, but reading about why I couldn't. And part of it was that I felt I didn't have something to look forward to. I mean, I guess partly because my parents were gone and now my family is different. My kids are on the other coast and now so much trauma in the world. And, you know, my business kind of dropped off as a light healer during COVID. And was people going to, was this really doing the work? If I can't heal, then how can I, you know, all these kind of things now dark night of the soul, I'm coming through it. But I do believe that by me Allowing myself to know that if I can shine my light towards myself for peace and love, that that's going to help the world in some small point, you know, in some small way that the more that I can help others find that peace within them, that we can magnify that light and we can be radiant in who we are to help shift some of this darkness.
1: Well, I want to slow that down too, because that was really tender and really vulnerable. What you just shared. And I'm so glad you said it. I'm so sorry that you're going through that, but I'm so glad you said that out loud because I think part of the healing is that we really need to dismantle the story that if, if we're sick and we can't get better, it means we're not doing something right or we're not enlightened enough or we're not doing our energy work good enough. I don't think it's that simple. And and I certainly don't think it means that if 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 I don't have the outcome that I might want, then it means that all of it's bullshit. Like, I don't think that's true. I, and I really want to validate what you said also. I do think it is another one of these paradoxes of healing that yes, it does start with ourselves. Healing does begin within. We must start by reconnecting sort of the, the divine self with all the fragmented or traumatized parts and to heal the inner polarizations inside of ourself to be able to come more whole inside of this individual um, unit in order to be able to have more resilience and to be able to be more part of the collective healing and more a part of the social justice and, and the activism. and all. So I, I'm not saying in any way that by, by saying that we have to also be part of that collective healing, it doesn't mean that that doesn't include that what you're doing and what you're teaching isn't incredibly important. And that what you've been doing for yourself isn't really important. And I just also wanna validate that what you're doing with your parents is part of that. Part of that, like if we, if the world we're living in doesn't include that we don't make sacrifices that might make us, might be hard for us in order to be loving for our families and make sure our elders are not alone and navigating navigating end of life issues, perhaps, you know, without the care of, of their loved ones or whatever, like that's, I don't want to live in a world where, where that isn't part of our activism. So... I'm sorry that it's been a struggle for you. Thank you. And
0: I I just, it all came out, but I did reading your book. It made me look at like, partly like, why am I having some of the resistance to healing right now? And I do think that is some of it, you know, I haven't found, so to speak that next purpose, you know, moving into retirement years and, you know, I'm far away from my kids now because I chose to come back here And, and I value the time. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself and my family and my generation and, and what it does mean to give up a little bit of part of me in order to love even more, you know? And so I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And and I think that all of this is like so important in how we choose to heal and how we choose to be in a more wholesome way. And some of the systems need to come down. They just do. And how do we rebuild them? And it is through research that you've been doing. And I give you so much credit and I give you so much credit for your journey and to have the strength to come back and challenge it. I mean, like, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Well,
1: and it's hard and it is triggering, you know, because like, well, I don't know which part specifically triggered you in the book, but I know one of the parts I was the most scared of putting in there was the section from advanced integrative therapy where one of the, one of the pieces from this type of energy psychotherapy that Asha Clinton created is that one of the things that she does with people who are sick or um, in recovery from trauma when she comes in is the first thing she does is she does her own kind of muscle testing on various, um, various statements like I want to heal, I want to die, I don't want to get better, I'm resistant to my healing, like these various you know, I'm I'm gonna get worse and worse, or I'm, I'm getting a lot of secondary gain out of being sick or these various things in order to just bring insight into things so that, that she can find the roots of them and treat that so that any resistance that might be in the system can be treated in order to make possible healing that might be available for that individual. And I don't believe cure is always, on the menu for everybody. But if healing and curing is available, then to sort of make sure that we don't have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brakes. It's like taking off the brakes so that we can, all of the efforts that we might put into healing or trying to have an optimal outcome are are just the gas without the brakes. Um, And that doesn't necessarily guarantee an outcome, but I, I always am worried when I talk about that with people because I'm so afraid that it's going to make them think that they're doing something wrong or that they're not trying hard enough or they're blaming themselves for their illness.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hear you on that. I don't think that, you know, I am blaming myself and I think there is a fine line because I know sometimes I can be misunderstood, you know, especially, when we talk about you know every physical ailment is an unresolved emotional illness oh you mean i'm creating you know right but i do feel that you know there was something in me that related to what you said and and i did have a rough morning on sunday morning talking to my partner and i know that he he's very sensitive and wanted to take it person it's like no just the awareness just the awareness that this is in my consciousness was very healing for me Mm -hmm. to look at it and to like, okay, then it has to do, I think with maybe, you know, setting some vision out there for myself, you know, and But I think the point being is that those parts are triggering and they can be hard, but even just the awareness again. And I think that most of your doctors and it's a very general situation, not all, but the ones that I've had contact with, like they don't really offer you that. And I just found a functional doctor and I remember like she actually asked me my vitamins and she actually asked me my diet and she actually asked me what I was, you know, it's like, oh, my God. And she wanted to hug me. It's like, okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, now it's
0: a whole new, you know, ballpark for me. And maybe I can release some of the trauma that I've had, but your work is so yeah. needed. And I, I apologize for all my feelings falling all over the place, but. No, yeah.
1: feelings are always welcome with Thank me. You. And I, like I said, I think that's part of what we need to un, undo is any story that there's anything wrong with feelings. And, you know, even, you know, in some of the spiritual teachings or in some of the new age world, there's so much kind of emotion shaming messaging. And I think even just unraveling that, like I made a, a Carla McLaren, who's one of the people that I um, talk about in the book. She wrote a great book called The Language of Emotions and another one called The Art of Empathy. And she's a fascinating character. She was a very famous psychic healer, kind of sounds true author on the new age keynote circuit. And then she basically quit and had like a change of heart and went to grad school and became an empathy researcher and kind mm-hmm. of quit doing her. So she's she's an interesting person who's gone sort of from like growing up in a new age cult to sort of being a scientist and a researcher. But she, it gives her a lot of breadth and and capacity to talk about these things. And she made a whole list of like emotion shaming messages. Mm-hmm. And I communicated with my people on Facebook and we made a whole other list Of emotion-shaming messages, and I think we need to just be careful that there's nothing wrong, for example, with feeling afraid right now. Like we are in a situation where, you know, the European the European borders may be uh, vulnerable to World War III right now. That COVID isn't over. That we really are in a climate crisis. That there are huge social justice issues that we haven't resolved yet and so for example it's not there's nothing wrong with feeling afraid of that now we can obviously go too far into i i think it's really important to acknowledge that there's legitimate fears that are in the present moment that are based on something real and that those fears for example can reactivate young traumatized parts of us that are stuck in the past that are i know this happened to me for example i was actually getting on a plane almost for the first time during covid the day russia invaded Hmm. ukraine and i was already triggered because i hadn't really been on a plane it's like covid pandemic i've basically been in my bubble i'm getting out of my bubble and now the news is everywhere and everybody everywhere in the security line everybody's talking about it and i had a part that just wanted to like go back to my little beach house and hide from what's happening in the world and not be on a plane on the day that Russia's invading Ukraine. But then when I looked inside and I'm like, who's scared? Like, okay, that's legit. But I was more triggered than the circumstances necessarily warranted. And when I looked inside, I saw this like one month old, totally pre-verbal infant part of me that was absolutely felt threatened. And I went in and was able to sort of be the good parent to that part. and work with that trauma and calm that part. And it took three hours on the freaking plane and I cried through the airport the whole way until I could get to the plane to be able to do my internal family systems work with that part. But then by the time I actually got to my destination, it's like my system was much more calm and nothing had changed in Russia and Ukraine, nothing had changed with the pandemic, nothing had changed with climate crisis. But by being able to calm those really young parts in myself, I was able to feel more spacious and more calm. And it didn't doesn't mean it it disables my ability to react to the legitimate threats. Um, But it means I wasn't like having this escalated out of control terror in response to a legitimate fear. And that's what I think is really, really helpful when we can start to um, do some of this nuanced work with our, with our anger, with our fear, with our sadness.
0: Yeah, I agree. And just kind of bringing it all back around. I do agree. And having the tools, there's so many of them out there. There's so many different energy techniques that everybody has access to them now. All the more reason to learn one or two and really have the tools that can help, you know? And yeah, I mean, I was waking up taking me two and a half hours to process fear of the world. I knew it wasn't just mine. Really, right, right? and and yeah, it's just taking so much time to do a lot of that personal work, and I do think that we all need to have that responsibility to do the work we need to do, and to open up our minds. And really, I am you, and you are me. We're all experiencing so much together right now. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think it's been especially difficult for the empaths of the world who um, have difficulty with their psychic boundaries where they have a hard time not taking in the real heaviness and intensity of the collective
0: burdens out there. I've had to create a ritual. I had to call one of my peers, help me. Okay. At night before you go to bed, this is what you need yeah. to do. And so it's like a little ritual to guard that energy, no matter how much I know it was still happening. So yeah, I agree. And I wrote down Art of Empathy. Check that yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, what a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate it and appreciate the work and that you are standing up and you do have a voice and you can represent many of us who do this work and have so much, you know, caring and empathy, and we want to help people and we want to come from a perspective that could be a different way of looking at life and the way that we do go about these things. So I do really appreciate it. I do think we have really answered the question, but I like to come back and just give a final comment, if you would, on how the work that you're doing, especially this last book of sacred medicine can help to empower the spirit for where we are right now.
1: There are many ways, but I guess if I had to pick one, I would say we all have these inner polarizations, right? It's normal. Anybody who's ever made a new year's resolution has had like the part that wants you to be a better person that makes the resolution. And then you have the part that like two weeks later, like breaks the resolution. And then you have the inner critic that comes in and shames you for being weak and you know, And then we have this cycle inside of these parts that are fighting with each other, right? Sort of the angel and the devil and the parts that criticize us and the parts that mess up yeah. and all of that. And, and that takes, a tr- it's a tremendous drain on us energetically to have those little wars inside. And I love the work of being able to get to know all of those different parts and to understand how all of them think they're protecting us, even the parts that are doing things that we might um, demonize or hospitalize or medicate or put in prison or sent to rehab. You know, all of those parts think they're helping us in some way. They think they're protecting us by trying to help us not feel the pain of some of our most wounded inner children and the more we can become intimate with those parts and we can comfort them and reparent them and help them get their needs met that those parts don't want to be doing those extreme. behaviors and they're exhausted, a lot of the times. And when we can calm those parts, the way I was doing on the plane and we can help them to relax and we can have more peace on the inside the more sort of that divine self or that spirit or soul or whatever you want to call it can come out and sort of become more of the leader of our lives and make more of our decisions and impact the collective in the ways that we are engaged in our activism and our healing work and our families and you know our friendships and and the way that we love and that to me is like one of the most inspiring outcomes of this research is that i feel like when we can stop the war inside, then in whatever way is in front of us right now, in whatever way we can help, because I know I have a lot of parts to feel helpless. But every day we we are confronted with ways that we can help. And if we can resolve those inner polarizations and, and help in the ways that we can without bypassing, without being like, well, I'm just going to pray. It's like, well, pray with your feet. Pray with your money, pray with your activism, and do your meditations and your inner work like both. It's back to that paradox of healing. And that, for me, is really hopeful. And it's really intimacy building. It's like intimate with ourselves, intimate with each other, intimate with nature and the world. And that gives me hope.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Stop the war within. Resolve some of that inner conflict and have the tools to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and your conversation. And I know my listeners will too, to your spirit. it
1: was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having
0: thank me. You. Wow. <laughs> wow. What a conversation. So many different aspects. And I know for myself, as you guys know, as you listen to the show, that yeah, it has been a healing journey for me trying to figure out the asthma, the COVID, my dad's energy, all of this coming together in a changing world that does have a lot of stress, a lot of fear. And as an empath, yeah, it is hard. So yeah, finding the tools, the techniques, that's why we do this work. That's why we have this part of the healing arts, of energy, of healing, all of this coming forward so that you can have some of these tools that can help bring yourself and your body back into its innate ability to heal. What a fabulous conversation, thank you again. Dr. Lissa Rankin. So yeah, just take a breath. Let it all settle in. Reach out if you feel triggered. Working through emotions is so important. I urge each of you to get her book, the Kindle, the Audible. She narrates the Audible and as you can tell, has a very soothing and loving voice. Please, please share this out with anyone that needs to hear this. Let's make a change in our healthcare system. We need a whole system that works on all levels. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Tarianne Hyman. To your spirit, Namaste. Are you local to the area of Birmingham? Come join us in our first local MAD event. We are looking for locals making a difference. If you're a Birmingham business entrepreneur looking for other entrepreneurs and interested in removing the limited beliefs that keep you playing small, come join us every second Monday of the month for a happy hour, a little energy work, and networking. Let's boost creativity. Time to raise the ceiling. The link will be in the show notes.